Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Americana Music Profiles is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's leading online therapy platform. The mission of BetterHelp is to make professional therapy accessible, affordable, and convenient so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. BetterHelp offers access to licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board-licensed professional counselors. An extensive study by the Berkeley Wellbeing Institute found BetterHelp to be as effective as face-to-face therapy. And now for a limited time, when you access BetterHelp, you will receive a 10% discount off of your first month. To activate this 10% discount, use my link at betterhelp.com Americana. Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Kevin Slick has been writing and recording music for over 40 years. Performing in the folk, singer-songwriter, Americana tradition, he has shared the stage with artists like Pete Seeger, David Bromberg, and the Blues Travelers. His latest album, Coming Home, features originals and some covers, including the seldom-seen classic, Wait a Minute. Kevin joins me on this edition of Americana Music Profiles to talk about that new record and his journey through his musical career. Good afternoon, Kevin. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. Thanks for taking the time out of your sunny Colorado day to chat with me this afternoon on a Friday as we head into the weekend. <laughs> Glad to do it. Um, Colorado, I think you mentioned uh, when we were off the air that that's not, not not home originally, right? You're from the East Coast? Yeah, I grew up in uh, central Pennsylvania, uh, where Penn State University is located, State College, Pennsylvania, or Happy huh? Valley as it's often known. Oh, yeah. Then I, uh, I lived in Philadelphia for about a decade and then uh, moved on up to New York City for a while. 
and then and then came out here. How long have you been out there? I moved here in about 2005. Okay. So, oh, long enough whatever, to get familiar with the territory. Yeah, yeah. And you have yeah, a, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it's a great it's a great music scene out here. As, as probably a lot of people that are into roots uh, music, Americana music, and bluegrass and such, yeah. you know, know Telluride and Rocky Grass and, yeah. and that whole scene. Um, it's just a great it's a great community and uh, very uh, I want to say very involved, very participatory community. Community the the jam sessions in the bluegrass world. Mm. Of course, have been hit by COVID, but mm-hmm. um, they're coming back. And and before that, probably on any given night of the week, you could find two or three really good jam sessions that you could go to at a, a bar or a coffee shop or something like that. In the at least in the general Denver metro area, mm. um, and just play music and have a great time. You could do that every night of the week if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of people comment on how. Uh, how much fun it is to to be in Colorado playing music. I I, I was talking to a a gentleman from uh, Ottawa actually earlier today, and they're very uh, jealous of the uh, ability for musicians to be able to get out and and share your craft in in this country. They're still struggling to to get out uh, from underneath yeah. some of the lockdowns and and get back out to playing music. So uh, it's easy mm-hmm. to forget how blessed we are to be able to do that. Indeed, indeed. So you you started off on the East Coast, and but you've been you've been doing the music thing for a long time, right? Yeah, I uh, I have been writing songs and performing um, and doing all sorts of traditional folk music uh, in the you know inspired by people like Pete Seeger, Woody Guthrie, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, since back in the in the late seventies when I was in college and um, started putting out recordings probably in the mid 80s when um the recording technology made it possible to record stuff at home Mm -hmm. easier and um i think one of the things that was wonderful at that time too was the cassette was becoming more the dominant music you know delivery system so for a few hundred bucks you could put out a cassette you know shrink wrapped and looking like a very professional product Whereas before it was like, wow, you're going to press an album. Gosh, it's cost so much money. You know, yeah. when are you ever going to be able to do that? Um, yeah. So yeah, I've been doing that. And then since being out here in Colorado, I've been playing predominantly bluegrass music, mostly mandolin in different groups. And um, recently started uh, doing also some solo gigs again. And uh, it seems the bluegrass world is also kind of expanding with artists like Billy Strings and Molly Tuttle and people like that, as well as all the jam bands right. out here. Right. Um, and I found, well, gosh, I can play this kind of music I've been writing and, and performing for a long time. Again, it's more in the folk roots Americana vein. And I can even do it at a bluegrass festival because people yeah. are into it and, yeah. um, and they're appreciative of it. So um, that was Probably why I called the one new release "Coming Home" because it's like, oh yeah, I can come back, I can come back to my musical home and um, and just kind of play this wide variety of stuff. Go from you know original songs to Pete Seeger to Bill Monroe to you know, an old Carter Family song or traditional you know uh, folk ballads or whatever. 
Yeah, the, the genre has opened up quite a bit in the last, what, maybe 10 years uh, to expand out. Um, yeah. And, and especially some of the, the younger kids, uh, you know, p- coming out of out of Berkeley and, and places like that, that that love the traditional uh, approach, but um, have a, uh, I heard somebody at, at the IBMA called Twisted Pine. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, the young girl plays a flute, but it's a bluegrass band. <laughs> and it's, you yeah. know, that, that it's, you would never, ever expect that, but it sounds amazing. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and it fits. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them at, at Rocky Grass and then, uh, at IBMA, and in fact, after one of their performances at IBMA, I was involved in a conversation with several uh, bluegrass folks, you know, who, who've been in the biz for a long time, and they were just floored. Yeah, you know, like what was that? Right? That was amazing. Yeah. It's the greatest thing I ever saw. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we felt that. Yeah, it has. It has the. It has the feel. It has the vibe, and I think. I think this is such an exciting time to be in the roots music kind of community and especially the bluegrass community. One of the things I love about the bluegrass community is the community, the fact mm-hmm. that people get mm-hmm. together and they jam and they play and they, they interact. And, um, to me, any, any artistic genre, whether it's music or film or theater, whatever, if it survives, it will diversify. And, mm-hmm. if, and the diversity is a, is a, a signal of the strength Mm -hmm. and so yeah when i go to ibma and see you know well that the one night the twisted pine played it was like twisted pine and then the price sisters right after Mm -hmm. which i thought was fantastic Mm -hmm. because i love the price sisters they're some of my favorite Mm, yeah the vocals are just killer and it's like wow here's two great bands back to back with energy and um enthusiasm and it sounds great and you know you might on a on first look you might be gosh what do they have in common right right yeah but yeah it, it's there and i i love that um we're seeing more of that diversity and, and openness and you know i see some of the music i'm doing uh now and i'm still playing bluegrass as well i play in a group called orchard creek band play mandolin mm-hmm. and um I see a lot of the the music I'm putting out now and recordings as in some ways being roots of bluegrass music, Mm. you know, that, Mm -hmm. that it didn't just burst from Bill Monroe's forehead, like Zeus and, you know, mythology (laughs) or something like that. He was listening to the blues certainly with Arnold Schultz and the Carter family and people like that. And so I think actually you, you honor the roots of bluegrass music, by playing a wider diversity of sounds that, that mm-hmm. have more of the mm-hmm. roots and maybe the Celtic traditions and things like that in the blues and country and folk and ballads um, rather than just, well, we're just going to strictly I- imitate or interpret this one narrow band of the, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be like if rock, rock and roll, if, if uh, if they still had record stores, I don't know if they do any place anymore. But you go there, <laughs> right. and if the only thing that was there was Little Richard and Chuck Berry. Right. Like, well, that's great. Yeah. But what happened to Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, and Black Sabbath, and yeah. Pink Floyd, and everything else? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I read in the 
some of the press notes that um, in your earlier start you actually were uh, hanging with some of the some of the, the playing on some of the cool stages uh, in the in the Northeast and including CBGB. Um, you know what what is the yes. when you're if you could remember those days, mm-hmm. is there could you could you see yourself where you are today? Did you have that much uh, thought ahead? Uh, as to what you were doing with your music? Uh, I don't know if I could have imagined it exactly, but I was certainly, I grew up hearing folk music and, mm-hmm. and bluegrass music uh, because it was it was what my parents played uh, on the records at mm-hmm. home. And okay. um, in fact, we went, uh, there was a great place called Sunset Park down on the Pennsylvania-Maryland border mm-hmm. uh, that had bluegrass shows. And so I, I have photos of myself at like eight years old with Lester Flatt, oh, you know, cool. at a okay. show, like yeah. talking talk to him or something like that. And so I grew up listening to this kind of music. And in some ways, even though at that time in the late 80s, 90s, when I was playing places like CBGBs and that sort of thing, um, and the band I was playing with uh, could have been considered, well, I don't know, people debated whether we were world music or, or punk or what exactly mm-hmm. we were, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I, I saw the, um, the rise of, of the punk scene in like the 80s as being totally in line with, like, with folk traditions I had been you know, I had grown up with because mm. these were people that were making their own records. You know, mm-hmm. they were often talking about topical issues. Uh, they were putting together their own shows and doing their own their own thing, and that that to me is just really exciting. Where that where it's like, okay, well, we want to put out a record. Well, then let's find a tape recorder and we'll yeah, record some songs. Yeah. And then how do we do? It? Oh, we got press it. Oh, great. Okay, now we need to design the cover. Well. Someone draw a picture, and we'll go down to Kinko's and you know make four hundred copies right, or whatever. Right? Yeah. Glue them on uh, on the thing, and um, I love that. I love that sort of thing. Of, uh, and that's just one of the things that's that's really remarkable of where we are right now is that people can can do that yeah. and and make it available to people and share it with the world. You know, I guess if there's a downside, it's that gosh, there's so much stuff out there. How can you possibly? listen to it all but that's that's kind of a good problem to have yeah yeah <laughs> there's just so much good stuff we're going to pause for just a moment we'll be right back welcome back to the interview a painter can buy a canvas and paint mm-hmm. and have the copy ready to share with whoever is following their work and Mm-hmm. Kind of like you mentioned earlier, that wasn't always the case for for musicians. Yeah, uh, you know, cassette tapes, the basement tapes, kind of opened that up. But now, um, I mean, you know, anybody with a decent cell phone can uh, record their own music and share it with an audience. And so that yeah. expression or the accessibility to the form of expression has changed the music landscape. Yeah, and that's I think that's one of the reasons why you mentioned a lot of the young. The young artists in the bluegrass and roots uh, community uh, being so skilled is the, that they have access to this. You know, I talk with some of these people at at Rocky Grass or other festivals where I play and such, and you know, you find well here these people can 
can really intelligently talk about, you know, obscure Stanley Brothers recordings. Right. And John Coltrane and Jimi Hendrix and, you know, some like obscure uh, folk music from Russia or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, played on, on the on the fiddle or the, you know, balalaika or whatever like that because they've listened to it and they have access to yeah. it. Uh, yeah. I used to have to go with my friends. We would do like a road trip into Greenwich Village you know, to look in old record stores to find these like obscure records we had heard about, you know, heard about the, the Monroe brothers. Where are you going to find our Monroe brothers? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. You know, like you got to go to some obscure place to find it or somebody that, you know, will make a tape for you. And now it's like, well, if you can spell it, you can type it in on your phone. Right. And, right. There yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to Slim Jim Phantom from the Stray Cats, uh, Oh, yeah. a, a while back and we kind of had a similar conversation but about rockabilly and mm-hmm. you know he he was making the connection between rockabilly and bluegrass and kind of the same thing mm-hmm. is happening with the rockabilly music is that the younger generation is now finding it because they're able to find buried on the internet somewhere on somebody's hard drive a song by somebody that you've never heard of before but it becomes this new obsession and it's mm-hmm. it's bringing the music back around but in a different way uh, than it was originally yeah. recorded. And so it's uh, the accessibility of it has really um, made it interesting to, to be a music fan these days. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's, it's quite wonderful. Tell me about your songwriting journey. Has that always been a part of your music? Is that from the yeah, beginning? I've, yeah, actually, even from an early age, um, I... Uh, my father was a, an electrical engineer and then eventually he moved over to teaching at, at Penn State University. Mm. But we always had pretty good stereo equipment around the house um, and tape recorders. We had reel to reel tape recorders, oh, several okay. of them. Okay, cool. And so um, he would record, you know, bluegrass events, festival things, stuff like that. I would sit around and make up songs when i was hmm. eight nine ten years old <laughs> fortunately none of those have survived right? although they might be quite amusing to listen to i don't know but um yeah i always i always did that sort of thing and then um you know starting to play guitar and listening to like bob dylan and and neil young mm-hmm. paul simon mm-hmm. people like that it was like well okay that's what people do they they play guitar and they write songs. So, you know, we just, just try to do that. And, um, so it, it grew. And then by the time I was in college, I was starting to, um, do it a little more seriously and, and also play in coffee houses and such. Mm-hmm. And I worked in radio for a while. Mm. So during that time I had, you know, access to even better sort of recording equipment where I could actually gather a bunch of friends together and, you know, make some recordings yeah. that it didn't sound too bad. Yeah. Um, but I've always, I've always loved the art form of recording and, and see it as, as kind of a unique art form connected to, but also separate from, from songwriting mm-hmm. in that, in that there are songs that I really love um, that I've known, you know, for years. And, uh, and there's also recordings that, that maybe are like, um, for example, uh, 
uh, Sleepwalk by Santo and Johnny. Mm-hmm. It's like one, of, I think, one of the greatest records ever made. Mm. The sound of that is just so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Or uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass album. Mm-hmm. Again, the recordings of those are so amazing. The individual songs might not be songs that I would sing a lot myself or, you know, have that much connection to, but yeah. the recording of them is great. Mm-hmm. So I've always been interested in, you know, how how to translate a song, how to share a song via a recording. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it can be, it can run the gamut from, you know, All Things Must Pass, which huge collection of musicians to uh, a lot of the music that these days I've, I've been going back and listening to that has inspired me, I think, with sort of how I've been approaching recording lately is um, Jim Croce and Cat Stevens oh, and yeah. people like that where it's like, yeah, you listen to it and it's, there's two guys with guitars maybe and some singing and that's it. Like that's the that's the record. That's all you need, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's a wonderful kind of approach. And again, you know, I also love listening to the big symphonic orchestra and the big you know production and the whole thing too. Mm-hmm. But um, hmm. yeah. So yeah. So and I think over time, I worked working in radio for a long time was a, a big part of the songwriting. I worked in radio for about 10 years i guess and um so i was listening to music all the time and at a certain point i began to study it a little bit more and think about okay well i'm going to write a song you know how can i make it work as best as it possibly can you know is that word choice really the best choice Mm -hmm. should i put a bridge in here should i change this chord structure some in some way um, I began to appreciate the the art form of popular songwriting. You know, a good a mm-hmm. good pop song that is catchy and memorable, and maybe not terribly long, but just it, you know it comes out. And so I I often will use the term pop music when referring to someone, say like um, <clears throat> Molly Tuttle, some of her recordings mm-hmm. or. Sierra Hall had that album, I think Weighted Mind was the name of it. Um, and when I say pop music, I'm, I'm meaning it's a song that has a really strong hook. And it's really well presented. You know, there's nothing, there's no wasted moments in the recording. It's just mm. it, everything works together like that. So, and yeah, so I've tried to do that more in, in recent years, I think, too. Your new record, uh, Coming home is that? That's the name of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, is I think you and maybe I've I've got this correct. You've got a few covers, but not all covers, or is it an all cover? It's there are a few covers okay. on there. Yeah, yeah. There's a few, and then a reasonable amount of originals on there. Mm-hmm. And when I do when I do covers, um, I usually try to do something pretty different than whatever would be the well-known recorded version of mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. because i feel like well if the song has been done well one way why just duplicate it yeah um, and if it's a good song it can be done quite differently yeah. so for example uh wait a minute i, I love what you um, did with that you know <laughs> yeah yeah it like that by the seldom scene is like <laughs> well, how are you possibly gonna you know 
top that. To me, that's just that's heavenly. Right. Um, you don't make it better; you make I it also, different, right? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, well, okay. So it's a it's a sad song. It's a it's an introspective song. Yeah, yeah. Maybe doing it in a very sparse kind of way um, might bring out a different part of the song mm-hmm. for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's often what I like to do is is we'll um, kind of confound people's expectations yeah. of what, what they might be yeah. expecting to hear. Yeah, I, I was I, I when I first heard I'm like, wait a minute, is that the seldom seen song? Oh it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I that was great. Um and the the record is out now, is that right? Yes, that one is is out coming home and I actually have an E P that's coming out um uh well this week as we're recording it, February twenty third that has a bunch of um, original songs on it that are a little bit more, uh, I'd say, topical or people's music kind of mm-hmm. kind of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I just felt like they kind of fit better on a on a separate uh, recording mm-hmm. uh, from the the coming home one, which is uh, the coming home. If the theme, if there's a theme of it, it's basically this is the kind of music I've done for a long time on my own, and I'm now having the opportunity to do it to play it some more mm. and it's also kind of fitting it fits it feels like it fits better now within this kind of mm-hmm. uh, bluegrass roots world that i'm that i'm involved in so yeah and and you do you have plans to be out this this spring and summer on the road with your music we'll be i'll be playing with uh the group that i'm playing with now orchard creek band we'll be playing several bluegrass festivals this summer okay and um yeah i'll i'll no doubt be doing some more um solo gigs as well and probably some more recording because um uh again as i've as i've seen that there's a place for this kind of sound you know is more accepted within the the kind of world um working in these days i've been you know writing songs seriously for 35, 40 years now. Mm-hmm. So I've got a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm also looking at like, well, gosh, I could go back and pull out these 20 songs and, and, you know, and record them yeah, and, yeah. and present that too. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of an exciting yeah. thing right now. So we're, we're getting yeah. sort of an avalanche of, of stuff coming out. Folks want to get in touch, want to, want to hear some of the new stuff or, or, or keep in touch with what you're working on in the future. What's the best way to do that? I would say uh, kevinslick.com. The the website will have uh, links to okay. all the different uh, all the different stuff. You can find any of the music pretty much on all the streaming services or or YouTube or anything like that too. But uh, kevinslick.com is the best spot just to drop me a line or listen to some stuff. Or you can actually buy physical copies there for those people who still yeah. who still like to hold the thing in right, their hand. Right, right, yeah. Well, we hope that's coming back a little bit. So, <laughs> Yes, yes, that would be nice. New record is called Coming Home. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate the chance to catch up with you about this and, and look forward to what you got coming up. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.